Across America, BP supports more than 275,000 jobs to keep energy flowing. Jobs like updating turbines at one of our Indiana wind farms and producing more oil and gas with fewer operational emissions in the Gulf of Mexico. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. Pulling up to Mickey D's just for drinks? Oh yeah, that's me. Nothing extra, just perfection and a straw. Coming in hot for the coldest cups on the block. Because there are drinks. Then there are drinks from McDonald's. Mix things up with any size lemonade or sweet tea for $1.49. Perfect with our classic fries. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. And a good evening. Welcome, and we are live on the Believe in Monsters podcast. Well, we may not be exactly live right now, but we're live with you when you're listening to us on the Believe in Monsters podcast. It's been a few weeks. The last time we were on, we were talking Super Bowl. The uh, Cincinnati Bengals came up just a little bit short. The Rams taking care of business. Uh, Matthew Stafford and, and the boys, Aaron Donald and the gang, taking care of business. So we're back. Uh, it's time to turn over a new leaf and time, time to uh, talk about some off-season topics. I'm back with my friends, Lucas Berry and Chris Krogman. Follow them on the Twitter machine at ShyBears1980. 85 for Lucas Berry and at Lberry underscore 40 for, at, for Christopher Krogman. And then follow us on the Twitter machine at BIM underscore pod for Believe in Monsters podcast. I'm Joe Gaither. And you can find me at Joker36, and we are uh, absolutely excited tonight to have uh, Michael Gus join the join the program tonight. You may find him on Twitter and be familiar with his work at MichaelGus57. He's going to be breaking down some offensive line. Lucas Perry has us pouring over what we're going to do with our new uh, with our new uh, with Ryan Poles. Making decisions with the offensive line. So, Lucas, take it away. We'll introduce our, our, our guest and, uh, and welcome us in for, to, for the topics tonight. Well, first, you mixed up me and Chris's hand. I did, I did. You said Chris Krugman. Is that? Oh, and he's gone. He just left. <laughs> he just dips. He's like, I'm embarrassed. I'm out. I'm leaving. <laughs> yeah, he, he's like at Elberry underscore 40. It has my name. And he's like, yep, that's Chris Krugman. All right. <laughs> <laughs> well while we wait for joe to come back michael welcome to the show man we're so happy for you to join us today and uh, uh as joe said you know your content on twitter is a1 and if you don't follow michael you really should he's a great follow if you are all about the bears he's got all the info you need uh michael feel free to introduce yourself plug yourself here now's the time to do it don't be shy. You are, uh, you know, more than welcome on the show. Yeah, appreciate. You know, first and foremost, thank you guys for having me. Um, I, I know I've, I've followed you guys on Twitter. We've been a lot of really good engagement. So, yeah, my name is Michael Gus. Uh, you know, some of you, I, I've been doing the Bears Twitter thing here for, I mean, going on three years now. It does not feel like that long. Uh, formerly, I was unfiltered Bears fan. Um, you know, and it kind of, I, I got to know guys like you. you. You know, almost at a personal level through Twitter. Um, so, so we dropped the anonymous, um, 
pseudonym, right, or, or pen name, <laughs> you, you know, in uh, about a year, probably about a year ago. Um, so, yeah, Michael Gus, Unfiltered Bears fan, same account. It's me. I'm excited to be on with you guys and talk a little offensive line. I have a little bit of a background in offensive line playing coaching. So, yeah, yeah I mean, it's uh, that's that's a passion of mine. I'm excited to talk about it. Yeah, we can even go deeper than that if you want. We can go into whatever you want. You know, offseason is here just like that. I mean, Super Bowl was last Sunday, and we already are thinking about free agents come March 14th or 15th, I think, is when players can start talking to teams. Uh, before we dive into it, Chris, how you doing tonight, man? I'm doing awesome, man. I, uh, you know, Super Bowl was fine. I had some technical difficulties at my house, so uh, missed a lot of it, but caught caught some of the replay on NFL Network, uh, caught most of the game, obviously caught the super awesome halftime show, uh, throwback to the 90s hip hop and and all that. So that was dope as fuck. Um, but I'm doing really good tonight. I'm excited to talk some Bears football. Uh, like I said, since these hires happened, I've my optimism has grown. Uh, really like what Ryan Poles has has had to say. Really like what um... <laughs> Joe's whispering to himself. Uh, really like what Matt Eberflus has had to say. Uh, and you know I love this this coaching this uh, offensive coaching staff, uh, and I'm sure we'll get into it with Michael what he thinks of Getzy and uh, you know some of the staff that's been brought over. Chris Morgan's the offensive line coach. Uh, he was with Pittsburgh. He was also at Atlanta under Shanahan, so he fits right in with the whole tree with you know Matt Lafleur and and all these guys running a very similar style. Which, as you know, if you listen to this podcast, I'm obsessed with and love this style of offense so it's very quarterback friendly uh luke gets had a lot of great things to say in the last in his press conference about you know building this offense more or less from scratch around the guys themselves the players themselves and their and their talent so thank fucking god we don't have to deal with matt Nagy trying to fit a square peg in a round hole and lucas is out Luke is out, and so it was general manager. I, in my intro, I was getting caught up on what Ryan Poles' position was. It's general manager, duh, obviously. So he's going to have a lot of big, big decisions to make, uh, and Luke is wanting to turn over the entire offensive line. Um, so there's tons of places to start. Uh, we can start with uh, Ryan Poles' analysis of the offensive line. Uh, reportedly, there are reports that he hated what he saw on film. Uh, I don't you know, or we can talk. We can get start start uh, with what he like, what he's gonna do. Who you guys he might resign. How it's gonna, how the offensive line might shape up next year. Like you know, uh, I, I'd like to start right there. You look at Tevin Jenkins because you're probably not resigning Peters. Whitehair's back. Uh, who you know, uh, Luke is not a fan of, and and is is and is. Uh, there is an out on his contract. Mustafer, you have to replace. Uh, Daniels is uh, up on a contract. He's a free agent. Yep. Yeah, and then uh, Borum is your is probably your, your next man up at right tackle. So a lot of uh, uh, uncertainty at the off at the at the offensive line. So Michael, where first off, I want to get your opinion. How, how have you felt of the offensive line in the Matt Nagy era, and where do you think we're about to head uh, in the Matt Eberflus era? Yeah, so that's interesting. Um, obviously, you uh, you know you stated it really well. There's a lot of turnover possibility, right? And there's going to be turnover. I mean, 
for saying a whole lot of nothing in that introductory press conference. The only thing that was definitively said is that Poles did not like the offensive line. I mean, he's got a background there. And for a lot of reasons, I agree with what he was alluding to. Um, it they lacked a they lacked a serious attitude up front, which you know it sounds cliche. Um, I'm never going to be the meatball guy, but it, there's some adages that are true. And, and having that edge, um, playing with that nastiness, you don't need all five guys, but you need, if nothing else, your leader. You need the majority of those guys to really kind of, you know, they want to finish with a little extracurricular, right? They, they really want to drive that defender into the ground, you know, and bury them. And it, it's an attitude, and you know, and it, it does, at least in that position group, it wears on guys. I mean, you can see it. You, I look at like recently Dallas's offensive line. They've fallen off a little bit, but you know, when they're rolling, when you see those teams rolling and all offensive line, you know, really winning their one-on-ones, um, it means something, right? It, it opens up the entire offense. Uh, so, absolutely, they need to find that person. Now, I think Tevin Jenkins was drafted to be that person. Um, you know, he was a raw prospect. He, a lot of good measurables, you know, things you can't teach. Um, and that attitude's one of them. Larry Borum, too, a little bit under the radar, um, but he definitely has an edge to him. Um, I, I mean, you, you saw those were the only two guys, uh, even to the point where Jermaine Ofedi decided to stand up for the opponent and get in the two rookies' face. Um, a guy like that, absolutely gone. Don't need him, don't want him. Good riddance. Um, you, you can't have that up front you, from a leadership role, from just not being a very good blocker role. Um, so where do I think they'll go? Now, I'm not as down on the offensive line as – some are. I, I think that there's some workable. I, I think there's a path forward to a relatively quick turnaround, um, and, and it starts with Tevin Jenkins. We'll start with him. I mean, look, you, you traded up for him. I think he's got a lot of talent. Um, you, you need him to work out, right? You need not to miss on that pick, and I don't think they did. To be fair, um, the back issue was somewhere between negligent and just unlucky. I don't think we'll ever know, right, which one it was. Um, but, it, you know, it seems to be better, right? He, he played without issue. Um, moving down the line now, for me. So, Michael, let's, yeah, let's let's just, with, let's start with Jenkins and Borm, just to start there. So yep. we saw Borm a little bit at left tackle, and we saw Jenkins at left tackle, obviously, at the end of the year. Do you see Tevin Jenkins as a future left tackle, or would you personally move him back to right tackle where he played mostly in college? I mean, I know he, he played left, in, in he kind of played everywhere in college, but would you move him back to right tackle and try and bring in a left tackle and or let Borm possibly fight for that position? Possibly. And the reason I say that, so it, the old distinction, in my opinion, um, in a lot of some opinions that I, I respect, the old distinction between your left and right tackle um, doesn't hold a lot of water, at, at least for me anymore, right? Because traditionally, right, your, your left tackle was your pass blocker, your right tackle was your run blocker, and that was uh, – derivative of of the fact that you know a lot of old school you know not old school 2000s defenses uh for a long time were a one gap four three three four um and your pass rushing defensive end would, would typically line up on the left side or the weak side where your run defender uh your anchor your strong defense whatever the verbiage you want to use would be on the right side that's kind of where that comes from um and a lot you know with the quarterback's blind side you slide protection 
point being, now in the modern game where teams are in shotgun 80% of the time and the quarterback isn't blind dropping, you, you know, he can see that edge rusher coming. Edge rushers are going to move to left. You know, they're going to find that bad pass blocker. They're going to line up their best rusher over him. It, just like we saw um, kind of to an extent in the Super Bowl, right? They 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 found the matchup. They moved their front around and they got pressure. Um, so I, 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 would, I want to see those two, and I'm not sure that we're ever going to get this information, right? We're just going to see some results. But they got to figure out where they're most comfortable and effective. You, you know, I equate it to anyone who's played baseball, right? Some people can switch hit, still hitting a baseball, and, and some people can't do it. And, and it's the same with left and right tackle, left and right guard. Same mechanics, same idea, but they're reversed. You, you know, the mechanics are everything's opposite. Some guys can do it. Some guys can't. Um, so, yeah, yeah, if there's any fall off, you know, if there's any drop off in play with something as valuable as Tevin Jenkins, absolutely put him on the right side. And, you know, we'll get into it, but maybe look at a free agent, you know, maybe Larry Borum's at left tackle. Um, right. Yeah, the only reason I ask that is just because, like I said, with free agency coming up, I mean, I would say really the only premier left tackle on the market would probably be like Teron Ar- Armstead, who has had his fair share of injuries anyway. I don't even know if the Bears want to go that route. You know, he's he's going into his 30s now. Um, but there's really not, you know, a premier tackle on the market, I would say so. It is something they'll have to figure out rather quickly. And I, I was just curious uh, for me, I don't know, like just judging the offensive line, I feel like Ryan Pace just kind of threw him on the left side just because it was a hole the Bears had uh, and not necessarily, you know, something that needed to be created. I mean, uh, Jenkins looked really good at right in college, so that's probably where I would keep him. But, you know, if he works out of left tackle, it's even better. But that's that's just kind of where I was curious. So let's just build this line from your perspective. So you're keeping Tevin Jenkins at left tackle left, as left of today. Right. I want left or right. So wherever, you want yeah. right wherever he is most effective. And that's right. just that's information that unless we're at practice and we, which we're not, we're never going to be. We're just not going to know until next fall. Um, that's where I hope now that we have some adults in the room, right, with Nagy being gone. Um, and someone that's going to take an objective look at this and hopefully make the rational decision that says, hey, you, you know, I'm not worried about saving face because I traded up for this guy and he's got to play left because that's what fans on Twitter want. That can, you know, I, I hope that Poles and Eberflus look at it and say, okay, he's, you know, he, he's a better player here and then we can slot the, and build it from there. Um, yes, I, I, would, I would want to see it started around where Tevin Jenkins is most effective. If that's right tackle and he's going to turn into a perennial all-pro right tackle, then, yeah, I'm going to start building my line around my right tackle. I'm not, you know, I'm not going to make that distinction that we did 20 years ago between left and right. Michael, do you, like, so what I want to know, and, and you know, so you sound like you, you like both the, the tackles anyway, and I'm sure we'll get into guard, and I'm just curious how you think these guys, the current roster, before we go making any massive changes or whatnot, uh, kind of fit into what you what we assume you know Getsy's going to do and what we assume the you know what the run game is going to look like what the pass game is going to look like and like you said um, you know a little bit of a path forward for a quick turnaround I think you know all of us are in agreement that um, you know center was a pretty uh, meek position last year uh, I think you know James Daniels is de- definitely serviceable if not pretty good uh, white hair I think just needs Need somebody to kick him in the dick and tell him to do his job and they think he can get back to that form of his first few years um but that's just my opinion i know lucas doesn't 
Lucas is up for anything. I don't think Lucas hates white hair, but uh, would definitely replace him if the option was there. So how do you think the current roster fits in with what we think Getsy's going to run? Yeah. So, and I agree with a ton of what you said. Um, you know, we talked about Jenkins. So as far as Borum, and my answer is going to be because they're so young, raw, and have a lot of things you can't teach but are unpolished. Um, my answer on Borum is going to be the same as Jenkins. I want to see... I want to see him put and get the reps at OTAs at wherever they realistically think that he's best served. If that's left tackle, great. If that's left guard, fantastic. Whatever, if that's right guard, fine. Um, you know, I'm not worried about, I, I would hope that they're not worried about saving face on draft position, you know, and all that good stuff. Cause why would they be right? It's, it's a new regime. Yeah. It's a new regime. Um, so moving down, uh, James Daniels, I, and if you guys probably have followed me on Twitter, I, I've done a couple threads. I'm, you love him. I'm, I'm bullish on this man. I think he's one of the better guards in the league. I thought that for a while. And, you know, things, especially with interior offensive line, if the unit sucks because, I, I mean, the unit, it, it, the coaching was negligent on the offensive side of the ball under Matt Nagy. I, I mean, I, I can't even say bad as much as it just didn't make It was negligent. It was egotistical. It was it, – it, it, it was reminiscent of a kid that, you know, wanted to run his favorite playing Madden a bunch of times and, you know, wasn't working. He didn't care. Uh, I mean, it just it didn't make sense. But, you know, that's a discussion for a different time. Uh, but those interior offensive linemen, James, Dan James Daniel, you know, specifically, you're never going to get the – because, who you know, it, it takes a special, you know, kind of offensive line junkie to, to watch the guard. I mean, that's just kind of how I watch – football in general right I, you know i watch from the guards out tells you where the play is going um just habitual something that i've done my whole life it's kind of hard to break um and, and i i think he's a great player and specifically in his own blocking scheme which will get which i tying into your schematic question i don't see how this gets these new this system gets system whatever you want to call it um is not going to feature zone blocking exclusively and not just, you know, okay, yeah, Matt, Matt Nagy ran the inside zone pretty much every first down, um, you know, if he wasn't running stick spacing. But there's a difference between running inside zone as your run concept because, you know, you don't want to run anyway, so just run that, um, and really building a scheme around zone blocking, which I, I think by all accounts gets he's going to do. Uh, James Daniels invaluable in that. Um, it, it, even in his pass protection, I was encouraged this year, 24 years old. I would – re-sign him in a heartbeat I, I i expect that they probably will I, I don't think that they're going to let someone like that walk but we'll see um white hair i, I think's a cut candidate frankly um i, I mean he's he's he is on the wrong or he will be on the wrong side of 30 yeah. offensive linemen you, you know they can play well but um with his contract they save quite a bit of money um with a post june first cut i do believe mm -hmm. yeah eight million Yep. Yeah, yeah. Exactly. Right. I I think that he is a cut candidate. You, you know, not someone that you're gonna cut the first day or you put that de designation in day one, but absolutely someone I think that is replaceable. And, and you said it, the center, Sam Mustafer. Um, thank you. Appreciate you coming in and you know saving us from Richard Coward in 2019, <laughs> 2020. Um, don't you? Just not good enough. And Hey, undrafted free agent. Started. It is what it is. Yeah, it's yeah, good it, wrong. It, 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 but he's not good enough. No, it, that was a big problem all year, over and over. Um, you, you know, we saw it. So, you, you need a center. Um, and if opportunity presents itself, 
um, you definitely you know look to upgrade at left tackle and left guard. Yeah, so just I'm going to let Joe fire off a question here in a second, but just so you know our listeners know, so uh, the the kind of Daniels versus or I guess Daniels and Whitehair situation is Daniels is a free agent, but like you said, he's 24. He's on a second contract. I mean, there's some rookies coming into the league who aren't even doing that. Like they're, they're coming in 25, 26 years old. So um, you have some older, you know, guys coming out of college who are coming into the league at the same age. James Daniels is getting his second contract, which is pretty nuts. I mean, the guy, the guy has so much more time to develop and it's all about getting younger in the league. So on the flip side, Whitehair is going to be 30, you have a potential out this year, which can save you eight and a half million. And then you have, if you don't take that, you have three more years of him. And I mean, he's fine. He's serviceable. He's okay. But if you can cut him and then bring in a rookie or a free agent for much cheaper and get the same level of production, you're already uh, probably going to be better off. So unfortunately for Whitehair, I think he might be, like you said, a potential cut candidate. He's been okay here. He's, he's done his job, but I think the Bears could definitely get better uh, in the draft and or free agency. My ideal situation would be re-signing Daniels and then bringing in a center. Uh, we could talk about maybe some centers you like on the free agent market. Uh, I know uh, the guy from the Rams has been the hot name because he's probably going to not command top dollar. Um, but versus a guy like Jensen who is going to you know, kind of get that top dollar on the market. But we can get into that. Um, I'll let Joe fire off his question here. I know he's been chomping at the bit a little bit over there. Well, you're you're getting to what I, what I was my, my next kind of thing. We've kind of overviewed what we've had uh, in the previous regime, and we've heard uh, Michael Gus. We've been hearing from Michael Gus. You can find him at Michael Gus fifty seven on the Twitter machine. Uh, and so we're looking to get basically we're getting rid of a guard, uh, and you've already we're getting, you've gotten rid of a center, and you've said you were looking for an upgrade at, at one of the tackles positions so you pair that, that this team up front with the second year of justin fields to your need at wide receiver your need on the other side of the ball uh at corner your probable need uh, at the other side of the ball at inside linebacker you got you, you got where do you balance the the need of offensive line versus the others uh that are on the on the team as a whole um I would put the offensive line as a 1A with wide receiver because right now they got one. Um, and look, as much as an offensive line guy as I am, y- you do need weapons. But um, also, you know, and we've seen in previous years, the offense doesn't work without the offensive, without a functional offensive line. They've got to figure out how to get that unit functional, you know, functional and also in a position that can develop into something good long term. Um, so I, I put that as priority one, you know, right up there with wide receiver. I mean, you absolutely, if, assuming Allen Robinson is walking, um, you absolutely need an X, right? You need that. Traditionally, it's a big body, you know, not always, but that on the line receiver, you know, that can win contested, contested ball situations, um, you know, is going to be on the backside of your three by one, you, you know, most of the time get that matchup look that everyone, you know, everyone in the league likes the back shoulder fades, the digs, everything like that. Um, so yeah, I, I would I would put uh, fixing the offensive line. You know, get yourself a fix a wide receiver room and get that line functional. I, you've got to do both. Which I mean, that's a challenge, right? That's why we have a new GM is because you need to do both to get this thing functional. Now I think this is probably not what Bears fans want to hear, but I am see you know this year kind of being like a mini rebuild year. 
unfortunately, but it, it, it is what it is. I mean, the Bears need to, you know, Ryan Pace, I think he did a pretty decent job, but he did leave some bad contracts in the books. You're going to have to clean that up. And, uh, you know, just those those kind of X-type wide receivers don't really hit the market. I mean, you're going to have Devontae Adams and Allen Robinson out there, but outside of that, it's like I probably more see the Bears signing a guy like Christian Kirk or, you know, DJ Chark from the Jaguars who – are good, you know, would be good ads, but, you know, not top of the market guys. And, you know, maybe they sign Mike Williams, but from what I've heard from Ryan Poles, he doesn't seem like the guy that's going to, you know, be signing guys to that, you know, really high market value contract. And he's going to try and do whatever he can to do this through the draft. So really, I mean, maybe he tries to find that X in the draft. I don't know. It's going to be really interesting to see how he addresses that thing. But it's, you know, it's, it's kind of like why we had you on the show today to see, what you thought about the O-line and, and what he might do, whether it's free agency or the draft or some guys you like. Um, I mean, what what is your best fix for the offensive line? Like, would you prefer them? Is there anyone on the free agent market you really like this year? Or would you like to see them go through the draft and, and get someone, you know, maybe one of those Boston College linemen like Alec, Alec Lindstrom or uh, Zion Johnson there in the interior? Yeah, yeah. So, and you beat me to it. Um, Zion Johnson's a name that's interesting, and I, I I've got a couple more. Um, so, how how I personally would like them to fix the offensive line, kind of like we talked about earlier. Um, we're gonna start with where, which side is Tevin Jenkins playing? Fine. Right. Where's Larry from best served? Is he a left tackle or is he maybe a guard? Um, whichever he is not, I I'm going out and finding that opposite position, right? Left tackle, left guard. Only exception, if Armstead were to become a realistic, if that were to be realistic, and we'll see, um, that's a situation where, it, and you said, you know, left tackles, they also don't hit the market. Um, if yeah. that were to be acquirable, I think you you go get him and put Borum, you know, in that left guard spot, and you can comfortably let white hair go. Um, if you can't... Um, like I said, I, I want to see that free agent signed at left tackle, left guard, opposite of Borum. Uh, and I'm a huge proponent of drafting a center this year and not, you know, not skimping the resources, drafting a quality center because I you have Justin Fields and that center quarterback um, relationship I think is really important. Like I, I think you're in a very unique situation, right, where you can sp- spend that second round pick, that third round pick, what have you. Maybe, you know, who – Spend that quality pick and uh, get Justin Fields at center that he can start to develop the relationship with. Um, it, we, you know, we know examples from history, right? Jeff Saturday, Peyton Manning. Um, just anyone listening to this that you know is rolling their eyes, going, "Oh man, you know, center at quarterback that doesn't matter." Go on and YouTube that, and you know that Jeff Saturday, Peyton Manning, and there's countless others that just comes off the top of my head. That that relationship's important, right? Just like a quarterback needs to be on the same page as his wide receivers, especially in the NFL, that quarterback needs to be on the same page as a center. Why? Well, if you're in shotgun, and especially if you're on the road, th- those offensive linemen can't hear you, right, if you're the quarterback. So you better be confident in what that center is getting them into protection-wise, right? You, you better be on the same page there. Um, you know, and then you're going to snap count, you know, some – Changes at the line, you know, if you really pay attention, you see it. Um, so I think that that relationship is very important. And I'm, I'm going free agency to, you know, get that position, whatever they think Larry Borum is not. 
address that position there and then go get that long-term center you know that we haven't had since Olin Krutz someone that can be with Justin Fields for the next decade and start to you know build that relationship yeah that's, yeah, a, that's a smart I think that's a smart plan you know Michael um and I, I think having that young center to you know grow with fields and and be on the same page and like he'll probably move into justin's house you know and hang out with his little dog and do <laughs> yoga with him and Dar- you know. and uh uh you know like linderbaum or lindstrom like like uh lucas mentioned i think uh you know those bc guys they're they're smart too you know and centers are typically pretty intelligent uh o-linemen are intelligent in general i mean let's look at most of the uh you know scholar athletes when you see these on uh on sec saturdays it's always the linemen that are the smartest ones so uh finding a good smart center that can be on the same page call out the protections and, and make sure everybody's doing their job is a is a good way to go rather than just you know shifting guys around and and just ending up wherever they end up so yeah, that's a great plan. Lucas. I think I think Linderbaum would be the dream. He's he's from Iowa, but I, I think he'll be a first round pick. He might even go top fifteen. He's that good. But uh the uh the two BC cats, Zion Johnson, I think he plays guard or center. So he's kind of you can play him wherever there, or Lindstrom who played center there. But I was just wondering, how do you feel about Brian Allen in free agency? I mean, he is only no twenty six. No Joe. Yeah, I, I wouldn't be opposed to anybody in free agency that's going to offer, you know, the intangibles that we talked about earlier, which I think that he probably would, um, as well as just a talent upgrade, you know, in that offensive line room. And, and you said something interesting that I, I wanted to comment on. Um, so, yeah, I've been on Linderbaum since, I mean, geez, I, I don't even remember the first time. It, it was early in the Iowa season. Um Something to note, similar to James Daniels, who's also from Iowa, uh, Coach Ferentz, uh, both senior and junior, uh, the head coach, offensive coordinator, offensive line coach at Iowa. Um, I was fortunate enough to sit in quite a few clinics with those two, and that is a zone-blocking factory out there. I, I mean, to listen to – I listened to Junior one time at a clinic talk about hand placement and zone-blocking for three hours. I, I mean, it, it was incredible, the amount of detail. It, um, with that being said, right, we're expecting, like I said earlier, a heavy, you know, assistant rel- a system reliant on zone blocking, which we can go into later. Um, yeah, Linder, Linderbaum would be my top one. And, and he's interesting, right? Because I, I think you're absolutely right. And the point I wanted to make, he's absolutely a top 15 talent in this draft class. Um where will he go though? And I could see him going as high as, you know, the early teens, but we also know historically, um, centers are weird. Yeah. So like Travis Frederick, right. Comes to mind. Like, remember there were a lot of people that thought he would go top 10 Cowboys picked him at 30. I want to 30, 31. So 28, I think, or something like that. Yeah. yeah, It was down there. Um, Creed Humphrey this year, right. Everyone thought was a lock for a late first round pick. And, you know, he falls into the Chiefs' lap, uh, which— And he balled out, and he's been right, balling yeah. out. But it, the thing with uh, thing with uh, Linderbaum is—so, right right now, I, you know, everyone's in agreement, right? He, he's at top 15 pick. Um, the combine's going to come. He's going to measure small. He's not a big guy. And 
because of that, he's only going to be a center, right? You're not going to have projections. Maybe he can play guard. Yeah, he's a center. Sometimes, I mean, the average fan, right? You know, we go through this cycle I always joke about where the average fan complains about the offensive line until it's time to actually spend that first pick on an offensive lineman. And then the combine happens and some highlight videos happen. And then all of a sudden they want the safety or what have you. Um, NFL teams are victims of the same thing, right? The the combine, the, the spandex Olympics is going to come and you're going to have a bunch of guys running in a straight line with no gear on. And guy, you know, football players, really good technical football players like Linderbaum. He can slide down, you know, he can get forgotten about. Right. He he's not gonna light that combine on fire with his no, measurables. Absolutely. And, gonna... and what's what's no. what's really ironic about this, Michael, is uh I would say like Ryan Pace, he would not be a Ryan Pace type pick because Ryan no. Pace oh, no. I feel like Ryan Pace put all his eggs on the O lineman being versatile, playing multiple positions, but like Linderbaum, like you said, you're drafting a pure center and that's it. You're not moving him around, but like Ryan Pace would love to have his lineman be able to play tackle, guard, center. That's why we see guys like Whitehair, Mustafa, they moved all over the offensive line, have all this versatility. But like you said, it's just ironic that if it came down to that, it would be like the anti Ryan Pace pick. And I would be over the moon if if he fell. Uh, I'm not holding my breath because, like I said, I think he's really, really good. But we'll see. We will see, yeah. It, it's going to be interesting because I think that that's a, that's a wild card, right? I could see a team deciding, here's my center. I want him right now in the middle of the first round. And I could also see, you know, him, him starting to slide where maybe he, you know, falls into a striking distance. So I'm excited to see what happens there. Goats are muted. Uh, yeah, no, that's uh, I think those are a good point. I hope, I mean, I hope he falls. Uh, would, would they trade up for a center? Do you trade up for a center? I mean, yeah, you know, you need to invest in that, uh, that skill set for your, for your team. And I think what we've seen from the bears in, you know, just reading the tea leaves is that they were, they were looking to add more to their analytics department. It looks, it sounded like, Poles was a big fan of that with the whole GPS comment. Uh, and the more analytics that are done, the more uh, it's becoming apparent that uh, investing offensive line uh, should be a top priority. So I think you're going to see a shift in the league uh, to more, you know, more offensive line top guys going earlier. Uh, so hopefully, you know, the bears do the same type of thing. Maybe, you know, Linderbaum falls to the, to the late second or, or to the early second and the bears can, you know, take advantage. Um, but we'll, we'll see where they put that type of, uh, you know, uh, priority on those. I think, you know, we're also going to see some depth there and some opportunity for polls to show where he can scout these later round talents, um, whether or not it's, you know, finding a guard or tackle later in the draft that can, you know, become a piece later down the road. Uh, if, if any of these guys don't work out because we've seen so many injuries on this team, on this line, the last few years uh, that it's going to be important to have depth as well. Joe, you back up. Yes. Perfect. Can you hear me? Is this, is, is this thing on? 
Check, check. Uh, so, uh, so, so, Michael, uh, I'm looking at uh, last year's pass protection, and it was pretty ugly. Alabama, uh, the, the Bears last in the, in the league, 58 sacks. Uh, a lot of that you can you can kind of play. Whose fault is it? The the Dustin Fields of the offensive line, or the, or the wide receivers? Is that any other? Or Matt Nagy? You can always play that game. Uh, so, but tell us how you think. Uh, we, we we kind of touched on the interior. Who, who we're going to be looking at? But tell us how schematically uh, the the offense is going to look a little bit differently and be able to protect our uh, our prized young possession uh, going forward in the new regime. Yeah, so my question to you guys, how much depth do you want me to give here? Um, but I've got some thoughts. Go right? for it. Go for okay. it. And so, and, but I'm glad you asked, right? This is the exclusive or whatever you want to call it. So I've wanted you to do the Twitter thread thing on this. I've been researching this pretty heavily since they hired Getzy. And obviously, you know, everyone that follows me, knows that I love offensive football. I, I like to do those threads, those video breakdowns even. Um, I just, I, I can't format it in a way that it works in a Twitter thread. You, you, there's just, there's no way to do it. Um, not a way that would take me any amount of time that's feasible at least. So what The stage I, is yours. Yep, uh, uh, perfect. So what I think um, gets you, right? So, so kind of give you a little background, right? I don't like to throw you know, just wild statements out there, right? I, I watched one YouTube video and this is what I think is going to happen. Um, so what I tried to do, and it was tough, honestly, to, to really, to find the material to start to form this opinion on. Um, so kind of my thought process is go back to his college, his, his limited college days, um, kind of take in, you know, what I could, you know, what kind of wide angle shots I could find. Look at both his college stops and then go to the Packers, right? And I, I look for consistencies because, you know, there's a lot of a lot of cooks in the kitchen of any offense. Um, so, so what am I seeing consistently, right, that might be, you know, more Luke Getze more than anybody else? Kind of cross-reference that with some articles, um, you, you know, some people, in the, some people that you trust, you know, that you're like, okay, so what I'm seeing, you know, what they think, what I see, it marries up. Um, so what do I think it's going to be? I think it, we talked a little bit about the importance of zone blocking and, Getsy's got that Shanahan backer to some extent, you know, a little bit to start, which uh, for anyone that doesn't know, um, Shanahan senior, you know, now his kid in the league now, uh, very heavy zone blocking. Um, zone blocking, again, I guess to bring it down another level. So zone blocking is, is different than man blocking, gap blocking, um, in out block, whatever you want to call it, right? And the difference is, when teams are gap blocking, right, we're going to think um, anyone, you know, going back to high school, they ran ISO or power, right? We're blocking to a hole. These guys block down, these guys block out, you know, um, anything like that where you have a person, depending on alignment, and you block them in a specific direction. That's gap blocking. Zone blocking, um, which is what I think very confident that we're going to see exclu exclusively, is more like um, blocking to a to a gap, right? And Whoever's in that gap working with that offensive lineman, uh, it's usually like a two-on-two, two, right? Two linemen for a, for a lineman and linebacker. The goal is to work together to kind of get a plus one, right, to get a better angle, make up an angle that you shouldn't. Um, so what I think Getsy's going to do, one thing that we know for sure that, that Getsy's going to do is a lot of RPOs. RPOs are a very 
you know, we kind of joked about it earlier. There, there's a big misconception on the RPOs. A um, couple different kinds. Yeah, we can get into that later. Um, but we're going to see a lot of true RPOs where in a, in a true RPO, like a post-snap RPO, a lot of people call it, um, is where you're actually reading a defender, right? It's usually a linebacker. So, you know, picture you're in shotgun and you've got a slot wide receiver and a linebacker that's, you know, standing in that B gap or that C gap. They're, they're nearest the slot wide receiver. They're going to run, you know, an inside zone like we saw, and, and they're going to plan not to block that outside linebacker to give them an extra offensive lineman. And they're going to run a slant right at him. I mean, the landmark for that slot receiver is at that linebacker, you know, wherever he started. The linebacker goes to play the run. They throw it. If the linebacker, you know, stays underneath the slant, doesn't participate in the run defense, they're going to hand it off. So you see Green Bay do quite a bit. Um, you know, if you watch those a lot of times, especially when the camera's following the running back, right, and Devontae Adams is running down the field or, you know, getting tackled in the middle of the field. Um, different than Matt, Nag Matt Nagy's RPOs, it was all pre-snap stuff, right? And, and teach their own, right? That's effective too. But w when you break down and kind of the RPOs that Matt Nagy did, it was all pre-snap. It was all leverage, right? It's we come out in trips. They only have, you know, they only have two guys out there. They're not man aligned. They're not head up on the outside. Um, they got a safety line, but whatever, shading number three. Um, we're just going to throw a bubble because we got two, we got three, they got two. I, I mean, that was how he designed RPOs where Getsy absolutely, I mean, he'll do that. Don't get me wrong. He, I, I saw actually at Penn State, there was quite a bit of that, um, which is good, you know, take advantage, make them play head up. But you're going to see a lot of true RPOs, right? A, a lot of where it looks like a handoff and, you know, there's kind of a, a split second before he pulls it out and throws the ball. Um to get, you know, even more in depth, like you guys said you wanted it, so here we go. Um, zone blocking, very important because of the zone read, right? And, and when I say zone read, we need two components, right? And this is something I'm militant about. I, I know you guys, I, <laughs> I see some of you laughing. Uh, you probably seen it on Twitter, right? Read option, that's not a thing. That that what it, What's read option? That's a Madden play. That, that's not a football concept. Um, two kinds of quote-unquote read option, right? Um, zone read is the one that you're typically going to see out of shotgun where the whole offensive line, right? They're all zone blocking. They're all blocking one way and they're intentionally not blocking the defensive end. Right. So what does that do that? You know, the defensive end, similar to what we just talked about the RPO, that defensive end has a choice. Is he going to run straight down the line, you know, to, to tackle the running back? Well, then you're going to see Justin Fields keep it right. And there he goes. And they've got an extra blocker because, the quarterback is essentially nullifying that defensive end by making a decision. Is he going to be worried about Justin Field, right, and come fields and comes running right up the field? Well, then, you know, they're going to give that handoff and they're going to have an extra blocker because, again, they're not blocking the defensive end because they're trusting their quarterback to do that. Um, that's not sustainable to – without getting into the defensive schematics on how you defend that, uh, it's not sustainable just to tell your defensive end, hey – you know, go get the quarterback and we're just going to concede, you know, a minus one or we're going to concede one less defender for the inside zone. Uh, you're going to have to typically you, that defensive end is going to have to come down the line. So uh, for any Bears fans listening, remember um, at the end of 2020 when um, Mitch Trubisky ran a ton of those uh, bootlegs. Right. And I did a ton of, you know, 
work on this that I'd be happy to share with you guys and you can share with the audience. Um, where, you know, they, they ran the ball, ran the ball, and then they do the play-action rollouts. Well, they did that because that defensive end is going straight down the line, right? B- because, hey, I got to go get the running back. Now we pull it and we have free access to roll out, right? It, not, maybe we're not even keeping the ball. Now we're rolling out because the defensive end, you know, is allowing us to do that. Difference being then he wasn't good enough to win from the pocket and defensive ends just started coming straight up the field, daring him to throw from the pocket, which – you know, didn't, that's not going to be a problem with Justin Fields. I'm very confident in. Um, so that's why zone blocking is so important because if you can zone block well and that defensive end has to come down when being read in, in the zone read out of shotgun specifically, he has to go tackle the running back, come down, run straight down the line, um, you, you know, to, to disallow those easy three, four, five, six yard gains every single time. You know, now not only is Justin Fields, you know, keeping it on the zone read, but you're you're giving him free access to to the edge, right? He can pull it. Now we can, you know, now now we can run those play action boots. Now we can. That's where you see like the jet stuff come into play, right? You know, they start doing some weird things with their safeties to you know make up for that plus one because that's the whole conundrum it puts the defense in. And now we're running a jet sweep right back, you know, the other way because not now they're one light on the other side. Um, so that's why it's so important. I think with Getsy's background, you're going to see a ton of it. Um, I, I would expect, and the rest of it's subjective. Uh, you know, I'm not going to not going to lie. The, the the rest of it is kind of all subjective. I think you're going to see a lot of tight sets. Um, he he has a preference for the mesh concept, which is there's going to be two drags right that are going to work as picks right over the center, and then you could. You could do whatever else by, I mean, people run posts, they run goes, they run all kinds of stuff. But the whole thing is it puts those, you know, it's supposed to be easy completions. Um, you know, it's a true touchdown to check down. You know, usually uh, you, you see, you saw a lot in, in Green Bay do this where, um, you, you know, we, we would get so frustrated, right? Because Aaron Rodgers is throwing those, you know, four yards, five yards, six yard completions and out of nowhere. You know, he hits his back foot, and we all know what's coming. You know, you see him looking downfield. Um, I, I think Getsy has a lot to do with that, that, you know, those mesh concepts are a great example. There's there's other ones, too. But um, anyone kind of wanting to know what to expect, you know, it, it, go YouTube, you know, some mesh concepts. are good. Go get at me on Twitter. I've got plenty of resources that are really good. And I, I think we're going to see a lot of that. I mean, everywhere he's went, they ran a ton of it. Green Bay uh, would run it an obnoxious amount of time when you really looked at it, but yeah, they did it effectively. So I'm excited to kind of see those concepts for Justin Fields, you know, to get those easy completions, but then, you know, just like a good, great shooter in basketball, right. You know, let them hit those easy completions and bring that defense up. And they're worried about the zone read and, you know, everything else we talked about. And then we can just send Dar- Darnell Mooney right down the seam one time and, you know, see what happens. Yeah, I think uh, I think Getsy's going to be good for a lot of people on this offense. Justin Fields, obviously number one, because it's going to be a quarterback centric offense with a, a running game that's just going to uh, accentuate accentuate his skill set. Whether it's you know running that that re- that zone read or uh, hitting that deep ball, I think where you know Getsy really also comes into play and in, uh Devonte adams had a lot of great things to say about Getsy is is his uh work with the wide receivers being a former quarterback being able to kind of coach wide receivers into what quarterbacks want to see uh so what do you think they'll do 
to kind of, you know, address the wide receiver position. You know, I know we talked a little bit about offensive line being kind of a, a, a number one priority uh, with on the offense while wide receivers probably 1A or uh, close to. Uh, so what do you think they can do to kind of, you know, rebuild or soft rebuild almost is what I think Lucas was saying earlier uh, and, and utilize some of Getzi's, you know, offense to to kind of bridge that gap yeah that, that that's a great question and and that's going to be interesting so is everything you know all of my thoughts on the wide receiver i am operating under the assumption that Allen robinson is gone obviously if something crazy were to happen which i don't think it is i don't frankly i don't think it should um even be considered right just let him start over somewhere else but operating under the assumption that he's not coming back. First and foremost, you need that X, right? Or, or you need that online wide receiver, kind of that we talked about earlier, probably a bigger guy that can, you know, just cause physical one-on-one -on -one matchups, red zone, all that good stuff. Great things to have for a rookie quarter, or second-year quarterback, but young quarterback. Mm -hmm. um, outside of that, I, I mean, I think it's truly, it goes into the macro, how are we building and, what are we really thinking for this year if we're if we're polls and eber blues mm -hmm. um i would say with Dar Dar darnell mooney's got some versatility uh, you, you know you could line you know he can line up on the line on the perimeter he could also yeah I, I, his route running I, I really think you know lets him be a slot wide receiver in some looks probably not exclusively um with the, all that being said i am finding the best wide receiver uh in a you know in, in the value proposition of trying to get the offensive line and everything else they need and then kind of building around that so maybe that you know maybe draft night comes and boy if you ask 10 you know draft experts their wide receiver rankings you're going to get 10 different opinions mm -hmm. so i'm not going to throw a name out there but hey maybe that you know draft day comes and that wide receiver that you know they think a first round talent falls great um they need to add another one you know outside of a i assume they're going to get you know free agent to play on the boundary uh -huh. um a, a name that actually really intrigues me because like you said earlier those those boundary wide receivers big physical guys they don't often hit the market right though i mean Devonte adams right, right. But, um, he's gonna make like 30 million or something right that yeah we don't want to pay <laughs> not even feasible for the bears um um pickens from from georgia he's a big body wide receiver um, Joe knows about him. He, he covers the Crimson Tide, so he's not a big fan of uh, anyone yeah. else. SEC. Yeah. No, no, no. He's just a troublemaker. Pickens from uh, Hoover High School in Alabama. Is he? Uh, yeah, I didn't know that one. Um, he's an example, though, of someone that they could look to in the draft. Um, you know, to fill that role. And like I said, right now, if you ask where any of these guys are, especially the wide receivers are going, you get everyone has a different answer i've seen them everywhere from the second to fifth round yeah um yeah that's um, i think that's definitely a possibility there's this feels like another i mean a, a recent trend we've seen in college football is just that these wide receivers are coming to the league the past two years are just they're they're great right away right off the bat and i feel like the kind of the blend of uh the college style coming to the nfl is making it way easier to transition for some of these guys um with some of these offensive schemes but George Pickens, like you said, is a great one. I also like Christian Watkins from uh, – or Watkins or Watson? Watson from North Dakota State. Mm -hmm. He's another 
he's another huge body. I think he's like six four, six five. He allegedly ran a four four in high school, and he's like two hundred and thirty pounds. He's an absolute monster. Um, he absolutely lit up the senior bowl, so I'm sure he flew up some draft boards. But one of those two guys, I think, would be great on the Bears. But it kind of just goes. Burks. I love Burks, but I don't think he'll be there, man. That's my guy. He's he seems like AJ Brown 2.0, but uh, we'll see. I mean, it really depends what the Bears do in free free agency. You know, if they if they want to go heavy in O line there, then they can afford to draft a, a wide receiver early. But if they leave some holes on O line, then they should probably take an O lineman with their second pick. So that's that's kind of what we're trying to figure out right now. Yeah, exactly right. And it's and you said it perfectly. I mean, it's so dependent on what they what happens in free what's available to them in free agency. Um, and kind of operating under that because you know, like you said, one or two free agent signing that changes the math on you know what you need to do in the draft or good or bad. You know, if you come away with no offensive lineman, well, guess what? I mean, you're <laughs> in my opinion, you are handcuffed to that first pick being an offensive lineman. Well, and, and Poles came out and said that he, he likes that, that second and third wave of free agency anyway. So I'm very curious to see how he utilizes the assets that he's going to have, uh, whether, you know, he, he allocates a lot of money and talent on the offensive side of the ball in uh, free agency or, or if it's defense and, you know, Eberflus is pushing for, you know, maybe that three technique or that nickel corner that they're going to need to run his, his defense uh, or, or what, what have you. So uh, it's going to be interesting. It's always fun. These off seasons, you know, especially with, with a new staff, you know, going, going back the last four years, you've kind of almost been able to tell what pace and Aggie are going to do. Uh, you know, whether or not it was fields, it was going to be a quarterback this year. Uh, so it, it's, uh, it's, it's, it's going to be fun to have, you know, a new optimistic outlook on, on this front office and, and, and this coaching staff. What do you think of the coaching staff and front office in general, Michael? I mean, what's your, what's are you, are you optimistic about them that they're going to make good choices? Do you, are you excited about the hires or do you think it's a, it's a little, ah, a little scary? Uh, we'll see. I, I mean, we'll, we'll see. <laughs> <laughs> it's the bears, right? You never know. I feel, and truthfully, right. I feel, I, I honestly, I, I feel like it's a boomer bust situation. Really? I mean, I feel like, and I don't, uh, given their circumstances, right. With, with Justin Fields and having that dynamic quarterback on a rookie deal, I don't disagree with the, the approach, you know, of really going with a bunch of first time, you know, in their role positions that mm -hmm. on the surface do make a lot of sense. Right. I mean, there's a, there is a lot to like about all of these guys, you know, Eberflus, Getzy. I love having somebody that just, you know, all front offices, all coaches will tell you everybody on Twitter will tell you that they believe in the offensive line. Right. But the bears have been bottom 20% in offensive line spending every year, except for one, I do believe under Ryan pace. Um, it's nice to have someone that truly, you know, instead of paying lip, lip service to, you know, it all starts up front. Cause everyone's going to say that not a whole lot of people really believe that. Um, it's nice to have someone that you just feel confident does believe that and is going to prioritize fixing the offensive line getting a unit out there that's that that's good year in and year out so like i said we'll see i, I mean I, I really i think this is a situation where we're gonna 
we're going to really have a lot of success right away or it's going to go the other way um so, so we won't have to uh we won't have to be desperate to have guys like alex bars and sam mustafer and lacavius simmons and and any other random seventh or fifth or whatever rounder workout we'll have actual like real talent up front hopefully uh, i'm thinking that yeah i'm thinking that we're in no more danger of uh richard coward <laughs> season worth the games how did he get another job like i can't believe anybody saw that and was like you know what i think he should start at right guard for us that seems like a good idea he was good in chicago right yeah I just, terrible i i mean that's an excuse that you talked about coaching negligence right there i mean yeah especially not when you had like and it was tons of injuries that actually led to bars and mustafer getting an actual shot at you know competing and not to say that they were anything special but jesus christ they were a hundred times better than what we saw at a at a coward and and a fetty and all the jokesters they were running out there before so we're talking to michael gus and uh we've been talking for a, quite a while having a lot of fun uh and you can find him on the twitter machine at Michael Gus. So, Michael, uh, I want to break this up just a little bit before I get to my question. Uh, I, I, I grew up on, you know, loving the Bears probably around the year 2000 when I was in like 8, 9, 10, around there. Uh, Mike Brown was my favorite Chicago Bears. You've got Owen Crutes in your uh, Twitter profile machine. Who is your who was your first favorite Chicago Bear? Was it Owen Crutes or was it someone else, uh, someone else that, uh, you know, attracted you to the team? Uh, nope, Olin Cruz. <laughs> that was, uh, yeah, it, you know, you said it. That's the profile picture um, on, you know, on my Twitter. And, yeah, he's been my favorite player since at least I was in middle school. Uh, he got to the Bears a little bit before that. I'm going back to. Um, I only remember the middle school because, boy, was I upset seventh grade me to find out that um, whatever league or state rules – I couldn't wear 57 at center. Um, <laughs> about that, I remember that was uh, unhappy. Had to settle for a different number. But, yeah, I mean, he's, you know, that's that's where the 57, um, you know, comes from and a lot of the, a lot of handle, you, you know, and, and stuff that I'll post on Twitter. Um, but, yeah, by far my favorite player. I mean, I just loved watching him growing up. You know, I thought that he played the right way. Um he was someone that, you know, as a kid growing up that I always tried to emulate. So by far my all-time favorite bear, Owen Cruz. I, I feel, you know, so lucky now that he's in media. I'm like, I can't believe it. You know, you just, I, I wanted, I wanted him as, I wanted him in, in an executive role to be, <laughs> I think that's still my pinned tweet. I mean, well, that brings me to, I uh, make creates, I had a question, but I'm going to punt on it for just a second to uh, like, what do you make of the drama over the last, uh, that's fallen folded on Twitter about, oh, we were going to hire him as an offensive line assistant, $15 an hour. Like, what do you make of all that? Yeah. Boy, that's bizarre. Um, that's, that's bizarre and I mean this is a legend yeah and I think it speaks to just the disconnect in that entire operation at a least. culture changer yeah hopefully it's different I mean I don't yeah I, I mean it's it's bizarre I, I do think that like that that should have been a funny story and ended it at that um the, why the chairman of a international multi-billion dollar franchise 
um, felt the need to bring that up in a in the only press conference he does. I mean, boy, you, again, you talk about negligence and incompetency. I mean, I don't know what PR person signed off on that idea. Absolutely. Um, so my, my 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 real question was going to spin it back to the Bears and the offensive line. It's about David Montgomery. You've seen just weird uh, a weird dialogue come out on Bears Twitter recently that you know maybe he's not so special. Uh, I'm a big David Montgomery fan. I like the way he runs. Uh, obviously challenged up front, uh, ch- challenged in the Matt Nagy era. In my opinion, how much we're committing to the run or what we're really doing with him. Uh, so I just get your opinion on it. Like how special do you? think David Montgomery is uh, and, and then uh, or, or is he just average and he'd be upgraded in, in a better scheme like we're having with Getsy or, or or even even more so with more talent up front is he replaceable in that sense what do you, what's your opinion on David Montgomery and his relation to the offensive line yeah no, I'm glad you brought that up um David Montgomery is someone that I, I I was high on David Montgomery before it was cool right before it uh before it became popular all of a sudden uh what was that earlier this year maybe the end of late i don't even remember when that was um but right david montgomery isn't when you watch him right he he isn't gonna give you those those highlight tapes um those highlight style runs i mean he runs with vision and contact balance and boy is that important if you're running in his own scheme where you don't kind of like we talked about earlier right you don't know exactly where the hole is going to be we're not, you know, we're not gap blocking. We're not saying, hey, we're going to open up B gap for you and you're going to run in there. I, no, the, you know, that's not how that works. So I think he's invaluable in that. And, and there's a lot of, you know, I, I think it's the off season and frankly, you know, Bears Twitter, you got to find something controversial. You know, at least some people do to say, hey, we're talking about. You got to get the clicks, my man, the clicks. Yeah, it, it, I mean, for this year, yes, no brainer. You keep David Montgomery. He's under contract. What are you doing? I, I mean, you're trying to you should be trying to do everything you can to help, you know, your young quarterback really take that next step. Getting rid of your best offensive player does that doesn't help. Um yeah, sure. I mean, is this a conversation we're going to revisit next year when it when it is time, you know, to extend him? Yeah, absolutely. Um and we'll have that conversation then, but there's yes, David Montgomery a comfortable top 10 and I would put an argument for even higher back in the league fits great into the system if I had to call you crystal ball you know put to put you spin you ahead a year are we are we do you do would you resign him general manager Mike Gus two questions I would have for you um sure if we have our crystal ball did he did he make it through this year healthy I mean, of course he did. Of course, we're all optimistic Bears fans. <laughs> yeah, um, and, and then you know to get ahead because I, I, you know, I, I've engaged in this debate a couple times because it seems to pop up at least once a week. Um, for that and Cole Komet for whatever reason. Um, but yeah, it it would come down to the number for me, right? And the structure of the deal. You re-sign David Montgomery absolutely every day of the week as long as you can structure it in a way which a lot of other running backs have in, in recently, where you're not roped into a huge guarantee, right? You're not roped into that contract that you can't get out of because we know, right, I, I mean, running backs, unfortunately, um, when they fall off, they fall off quick, right? You, you're, you're only ever one play away from the math really changing, you know what I mean, on what someone's able to do. Um, but, yeah, absolutely. I, I mean, no, we're, I'm not – 
pinching pennies when it comes to David Montgomery down the road, as long as it's a deal that just, you know, as long as it makes sense, then absolutely I'm re-signing him. Yeah, running backs are weird. There's always that big debate in the league nowadays. Do you re-sign them? Do you let them go? really depends on the price tag, really. I mean, if you can get David Montgomery for a good price and you're not paying him, you know, Ezekiel Elliott money or whatever, then, yeah, you you do it. But I do feel confident. You know, I do like the Bears' one-two punch with uh, Montgomery and Herbert. I like Herbert a lot. I'm super high on him. And hopefully we see Cohen sometime this year and – and uh, if they can have a, a stable of a backfield of those three, we'll see. But I know Joe Joe's not a fan. You're shaking your head, Michael. You're not a big Tariq Cohen guy. I mean, as if he's here, I think he's valuable. I don't right. think they should. Re- I, I think they already gave him his player, money. No, I'm not, and I never have been. I mean, he. I like the person Tariq Cohen. Like, you know, he is, I, I mean, and by all accounts in the locker room, I mean, he's a great guy to have in the building. Except when he showed Kyle Long's Trump. Right. <laughs> yeah, right. Except for when he's borderline, you know, committing crimes uh, <laughs> with a cell phone. But, uh, um, I, yeah, as a football player, you know, as an asset, the the extension was mind-boggling to me frankly i i never i still can never understand that to me he was always a gadget guy i I mean i just and and, hey you know what those guys can be important right they can provide you that spark you know that threat what have you but i there's a lot of gadget guys hanging out on their couch on day three of every single nfl draft there's a lot of guys that can take a jet sweep or hit the flats three, four times a game that are hoping their phone rings, you know, at four o'clock on that third day. Um, so, yeah, I mean, I, and, and here's the unfortunate part, you know, cause like I, I preference this with, you know, I like um, Tariq Cohen, the person, but man, I would not be surprised if, if he just, if he doesn't play anymore. Um, something yeah, weird going on with that knee, right? Yeah, that's he could be a cut candidate, definitely. Oh, 100 percent. Yeah, yeah. And you know, you hope the best for Tariq Cohen as a as a man, as a person, as a player, but that's a two-year recovery on a on a knee injury, that's not been a thing for like 15 right. years. For a guy who's, going on there, right? I don't know what it is. For a guy who's when known you, for lateral movement. Right. Yeah, I was gonna say we, right, we, I, we saw Cam Akers come back in what eight months? From a yeah, torn yeah, Achilles, like a, which is like a more significant Adrian injury, Peterson like three times. Uh, <laughs> um, but like yeah. you know, I'm not going to speculate speculate honestly on anything <clears throat> other than to say that's very, very bizarre. Uh, that entire situation, and yeah, it's concerning, frankly. You know, for him as a as a person. I was just saying, having having him as a third option at running back is a is a pretty solid backfield, especially if you fix your line, and especially if you don't sign, you know especially if you don't have a full wealth of wide receivers, Tariq Cohen could definitely be valuable to the team this year. But I agree with you. The extension was completely kind of mind-boggling. But like it's like while he's here, he could be valuable. But I also wouldn't be shocked if he got cut. Um, we're an hour and five minutes into this thing. Man, time flies. Do you guys I have – I think you're on an hour. <laughs> yeah, I know. I know. Joe, Joe, you're – your mic I'm so, is, I'm so is loud, up. man. <laughs> You got any questions? Do you got any more questions, Joe? I know you do. Chris, Joe? 
No, man, I'm I'm excited to have Michael on, and we, I'd love to have him back as we get you know farther into you know the season. Maybe you know once a month or in a couple months when we know more about free agency and we're getting ready to to get into the draft, and then maybe after the draft to to kind of see how this stuff uh, you know kind of starts to paint the picture of what this team's going to look like in the next year. Um, I'm 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 excited about the coaching staff, the guys that you know t- the the. The word, the key word for me during the press conferences was violence, you know, and that's just something we haven't seen out of a Bears team that's a Midwest blue collar, you know, supposed to be a punchy in the mouth type of team uh, on both sides of the ball that we haven't seen in, in, in quite some time. So I'm excited to get back to that style of Bears football. We need uh, smelly, nasty men. Yes. Angry, Angry. Ugly. Disgusting Ugly. men up yes. front. Yes. No girlfriends. <laughs> just the only thing they have is just football. To the problem with all these motherfuckers, out. Michael. Let me just tell you, Lucas and I have had this discussion ten million times. The problem with all these motherfuckers is they went and got married at different points. You look at Leno; he was fine. Leno was fine. Leno was like above average. He wasn't amazing. He's above average. He gets married, puts a fight, trash. Kyle Long, I'm pretty sure he got no. He's still single. He's still single. But basically, that that's like 18 line that was like above average, like fine. And we're like, oh sweet, we're gonna bring him back for 19 and be better. And they were all like, oh no, 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 no. Didn't uh, who's the tackle from Ole Miss? He got married too. Uh, just white hair got married. No, 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 no. That we had on that 18 line that we got rid of. Uh, Ole Miss? Like, I mean, yeah, he like Ole Miss like twice removed, like the Cardinals, and he played like five other places. Uh, I know you're talking Nancy? about. Bobby. Yes, yeah. Bobby Massey played at Ole Miss. Uh, played at Ole Miss. Uh, yeah, thank you. SEC man, everything goes Joe, back to where like they go. The to only thing you know, bro, is like for where, sure. Is if they, they play in the SEC, I know this shit. Yeah, yeah, that motherfucker played at Ole Miss. I know that. But but basically, once they all got married, the the grand scheme of things, Michael is once they get married, Mitch, they all go Mitch. Exactly, my man Mitchell. He found that chick from Florida State and lost all his lost all his potential. You think you think it would be different if he dated an SEC girl? No, I think it would have been different if he didn't (laughs) date anybody at all. Look what happened. If they just locked him locked him in a prison. Actually, if he and Matt Nagy fought to the death, then and whoever won won the team. Then then that would have just handled that. I mean, look what happened with Mahomes and marrying that girl. I mean, that's uh, Charles Leno married the equivalent of offensive line that woman. That woman is, <laughs> that woman is crazy. <laughs> Jen Leno's a nice lady. Yeah, so Brittany or whatever her name is, Brittany Crazy Lady on on Instagram. Bears Bears Twitter did have it out for Jen Leno in a weird way. That was it was very weird. She was weird, dude. But She's they, they weird were like lady. attacking her. They were. They like made those sweet her. shirts. The eighteen line. They had some cohesion. They made those sweet Listen, shirts. And it was I'm, like they were just like Charles. Who who was the it was like Charles James Cody? Uh, who the Charles fuck? Leno. Kyle. <laughs> He's a seventh round pick. You know, he played above where he was drafted at. Fuck that motherfucker. Let let the guy go. He's he's somewhere else being someone else's problem. He's the same thing as Mustafer. He's like, he's a UDFA. He's He's a lot better than Mustafer. Well, I'm just saying you get what you get with a seventh round and a UDFA. It is what it is. So, 
we'll leave it at that. But Michael, thank you so much for joining us, man. Michael, and do you know the words of the fight song? Do I have what now? Do you know the words of the fight song? <laughs> well, at least the first couple. Perfect. All right. Will you, uh, Joe, Joe uh, sings it every time at the end of the will you join? Will you join us? We always conclude by seeing the fight song. You can get off. It's perfectly fine. You can bitch out and you can get off. But we, conclu- we conclude every <laughs> podcast on Believe in Monsters podcast by seeing the fight song. I'll tell you what. I'll break down option football. You go ahead and, and sing the fight song. Join me. Bear down, Chicago Bears. Clear the way, the way for victory. Bear down, Chicago Bears. Put up a fight with the mic so fiercely. We'll never forget to wait until the nation with your T formation. Bear down, Chicago Bears. And don't forget while you're wearing the crown, you're the pride and joy of Illinois. Chicago Bears, bear down. Pulling up to Mickey D's just for drinks? Oh yeah, that's me. Nothing extra, just perfection and a straw. Coming in hot for the coldest cups on the block. Because there are drinks. Then there are drinks from McDonald's. Mix things up with any size lemonade or sweet tea for $1.49. Perfect with our classic fries. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Dental Associates of Northern Virginia redefine what it means to visit the dentist. Get top-quality, personalized support from committed experts who prioritize the well-being and satisfaction of you and your family. Care is centered on a highly personalized treatment plan backed by the trust and support of long-lasting relationships. Schedule your next appointment by visiting dental1-va.com slash offer slash SiriusXM.